Well, good morning, Harborside. Welcome to VBS Sunday, or as we call it around here, Sunday of Chaos. But uh, it's good chaos. Hey, uh, we've had a great week. If you see someone dressed in a uh, red shirt with the big J on them, uh, if you would just say, hey, uh, great job. These kids really enjoyed it. And thank them for uh, giving out of their uh, time this week just to spend with these kids. Uh, they did a great job. They did uh, a lot of work both before and during VBS. And uh, those volunteers are really, uh, they've earned a few or many jewels in their crown um, up in heaven. So uh, big thanks to those of you, especially I see a few J's out there uh, for, for helping us out. Um, we're in this series called Blind Spots, and uh, we are kind of moving through talking about these different areas of life, which at times uh, we don't really see in our own lives, and how the Word of God can expose these to us and really allow us to move beyond them so that we can live a fuller life when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And we've talked about some biggies. Uh, Kurt and Tom have brought some major uh, components to this series. We've talked about things such as finances. Uh, we talked about lust. We talked about people-pleasing, those kind of things. Today we're going to talk about one that's a little bit more on the subtle side, but has an incredible amount of power to really hold us back when it comes to our own development when it comes to our relationship with Jesus Christ. And the story we're going to use actually comes from the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 9. And if you know anything about the book of Joshua, you know it's a, it's a story, it's a book that has a lot to do with the conquest of the promised land. All the way up to the book of Joshua, God has been preparing his people, the nation of Israel, to take over the promised land. It's a little countercultural to what we would understand when we come to God nowadays. But, now, but back then, God's promise for his people would, that would be that they would dwell in what he called the promised land. It was the land of Canaan. So all through the, uh, the books that are leading up to the book of Joshua, you have God preparing his people, wandering through the wilderness, and finally coming to the book of Joshua, where they cross over the Jordan River and they enter into the promised land. The only problem with the promised land is that the promised land was filled with people and nations that were not following God. So, you know, something that seems a little different, maybe a little weird to us, God tells his people to go in and just take over these lands, to basically wipe out the nations that were there that were against God so that his nation of Israel can set their nation up in what is known as the promised land. So as uh, Joshua, who is named, who the book is named after, leads the nation of Israel into the promised land, there are these wars that take place. The most famous that you come across in the book of Joshua comes in chapter, I think it's six or seven. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the battle of Jericho. And many of you, if you've been around church for any amount of time, have heard of Joshua and the battle of Jericho, where the walls came tumbling down. And so Joshua takes over these different nations and he goes into uh, this kind of conquest mode where he is following God's directive to set the nation of Israel up in the promised land. And uh, this is just the nature of this book. Well, these nations that are surrounding other, other parts of, of the promised land kind of get wind of what is happening in, uh, in, their, in their territory. One of these people groups, one of these nations was called the Gibeonites or the, the nation of Gibeon. And they kind of got wind of what was going on. And they knew that if, if Joshua and the, and the nation of Israel understood that they were in the promised land, that he would come in and the nation would wipe them out. So they came up with this plan. And this is what you read in Joshua chapter 9. 
they presented themselves in a very kind of uh, manipulative manner. They came to Joshua and the nation, and they came and they dressed them up as, themselves up as travelers. They put on these clothes that were really worn out. They got drinking canteens that were pretty worn out, that were kind of empty. And they marched into what was now known as, as the Israel camp, and they presented themselves as foreigners who were kind of from a way off distant land, a land that was not in the proximity of the promised land. And so they come to Joshua in the, na- in, in the nation of Israel, and they basically say to Joshua, listen, we're not your enemies. We are from a long way off. We're from a faraway land. Can we make an oath with you to basically be kind of, you don't attack us and we'll just stay a long way off. And so Joshua and the people kind of think about this. And we come to Joshua chapter 9, verse 14 and 15. And this is what it says uh, when, when, when this encounter takes place. It says the Israelites sampled their provision or said, hey, all right, let's see your food. Let's see what you brought with, uh, with them. And they realized that this is old stuff, the old wineskins, old water, all this stuff. But they did not inquire of the Lord. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them live. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. So what has happened here is the Gibeonites come to Joshua and the nation of Israel. And they say, listen, we want to have this treaty with you. And they sample their provisions. And they, it seems pretty kosher. It seems pretty good. But the Israelites... They neglect to go all the way. They neglect to find out if God is really behind this. And so they go ahead and they make this treaty with the Gibeonites to live at peace without knowing that the Gibeonites are actually real close. They're next door neighbors, sort of. So in verse 18, it continues, and this is the result of it. Verse 18, but the Israelites did not attack them because the leaders of the assembly had sworn an oath to them by the Lord God of Israel. The whole assembly grumbled against their leaders. They realized, hold on, these people are not from a faraway land. These people are living in the promised land. And because of this, now we have to live next door to a nation that is going to bring in a concept and a culture that is counter to the culture that God has laid out for the nation of Israel, for the promised land. And they realized this, but because they had made their oath, they now have to live in this situation where the Gibeonites are living next to the nation of Israel because of this oath. And for years and years and years, this is going to cause them problems. It is going to cause them issues throughout the nation of Israel, throughout their their existence. All because they did not inquire of the Lord. They did not go all the way with God. They did not engage fully. They took it upon themselves and kind of entered into this deal this treaty kind of half-heartedly. So that's the story of Joshua chapter 9. So what's the blind spot here? Well, the subtleness of the blind spot really is something that, that really is, is very familiar to many of us, but it's very subtle because it can ca- take captive of all of this, of us. Because the result of this Gibeonite deception is that these, the nation of Israel never really realized God's true intent for their lives. They never truly understood totally, totally what God had prepared for them. Because they took it upon themselves, they refused to go and fully engage with God. The result of this deception of the Gideonites doing this was that they never fully realized God's true intent for their lives. The blind spot then comes behind this 
and the the blind spot, basically, is that for us to experience God's full intent in our lives, we've got to be fully engaged. We've got to be fully engaged. For many people living in their lives, and for these people, the blind spot was at some point, let's just back up a little. Let's just let our radar down a little bit. We'll take it upon ourselves and we won't fully engage in what God has for us. And because they really kind of went into this treaty, this treaty with the Gibeonites, a little half-hearted, not quite to the extent that they could have, they never fully experienced all that God had intended for them. So here's this blind spot, the blind spot of kind of going through life, kind of living our lives thinking that we're doing okay, thinking that we are living in God's promised land, but yet we refuse sometimes without even realizing it to really fully engage in what God has desired for us. So how do you really even understand if you have this blind spot? Because the whole nature of blind spots is whether or not you see it or not in your own life. Well, let me just ask you a couple questions when it comes to your own spiritual development. At times, do you look at your spiritual life a little bit subpar than other people? Do you think that other people kind of function on a different level spiritually than you do? And maybe you think that you're just classified in life to exist at kind of a mediocre spirituality? I mean, you look at other people, maybe you look at Kurt, maybe you look at some of our elders, maybe you look at some of the, the other leaders in this church, and you kind of put them in a category by themselves. You kind of look at them and you think, well, they have some spiritual gift of spirituality. But yet me over here, you know, I'm just kind of, I don't have that gift of spirituality. I kind of have this gift of just spiritualism or something. It's not quite where they are, but it's kind of where I am. Maybe another question you could ask yourselves. Do you find yourself maybe at times just feel like you're living in a mediocre kind of spiritual life? Maybe a life where, you know, it's, it's okay, but it's not thriving. It's not, it's not feeling like the promised land. Yeah, you, 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 you do the church thing, but yet it just kind of, kind of stops right there. Well, maybe if, if you find yourself kind of feeling a little mediocre, Maybe if you find yourself kind of going through motions. Maybe if you don't feel the passion. Maybe if you find yourself kind of going through this and maybe at times you feel okay. Maybe you look at other people and you think, well, they've really got it together. I'll never get it together. This just might be a blind spot for you. And it might not be about the gift of spirituality. It may not be that you're just supposed to live a mediocre life. It may not be that spirituality is something that's beyond your grasp. It may just be that maybe you've entered into something like the nation of Israel entered into. And you've kind of come into the promised land, but you have not fully engaged in what God has called you to do. You may be on kind of doing the motions You may be kind of doing what you're supposed to do, but the engagement factor, the real close engagement of really not coming half-hearted, but fully diving in, really you haven't experienced that. And to be honest, it's, it's something that I see in our culture over and over again, especially in churches where 
Church is just kind of part of the culture. It's part of what we do. We go to work. We go out to eat. We do our thing on Sunday morning. I mean, it's just part of the culture. But what I see in Scripture and what I see God calling us to do on a continual basis, not when we feel like it, not like when the nation of Israel decided to feel like it, but on a continual, regular basis, is to fully engage, to fully engage, to inquire of God. What does he want us to do? Because the flip side of this is that if we enter into a relationship with God where it is kind of half-hearted, we kind of go through the motions, the other side of that is I don't believe we will ever, ever experience the fullness that God has laid out for each one of us. See, the principle is the same from way back in the nation of Israel. Follow God, fully engage, do what God has called you to do to the extent that he has called you to do it. The the other, the result of this is that to the level that you do that is to the level that you will experience the fullness of God. But again, the blind spot says to us sometimes, hey, look, I'm going to go a little half-hearted on this. And sometimes I don't even think we realize we go half-hearted. Because I think often what happens is we get lulled into this comfort zone of just doing what we're supposed to do. Well, what does it mean then to fully engage? How do you fully engage as a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, we want to kind of, let me just kind of spend the rest of, rest of my time just kind of sharing with you what, what, what we feel at Harborside, that we can come together and, and as a church, as a community, Come together and engage God together. Let me, just, let me just walk through this. Kurt kind of shared this a little bit last week, and, and we want to dive just a little bit further. We kind of want to clean this up and, and present it in a way that makes sense to people. Because we live, in a, we live in a culture, we live in an age where we just want things to make sense. And as a church, we feel like we want to present to you an opportunity that allows you to fully engage in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And basically, it follows these three things that we talked about last week. We feel that if you want to be a follower of Jesus Christ, there's three things that really will help you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We feel like if you are fully engaged in worship, if you're fully engaged in connecting, if you're fully engaged in contributing, that that will create for you a life that allows you to go in and allows you to be full-hearted in a relationship with Jesus Christ so that you can experience what God has intended for you to experience. And hopefully on the other side of this, all of, these, uh, all of this confusion, all of these separations, all of this idea of where people are versus where you are will diminish and you will say, hey, you know, this is not about the way God has necessarily created me. This is about my part in fully engaging. So we talked about, we kind of hit the surface a little bit with these three things uh, last week. Talked a little bit about worship. Worship. Worship for us is probably the main thing which we engage in as followers of Jesus Christ. When we come together corporately, we worship God. We focus on what God has done. We focus on who God is. We glorify him for his attributes, for his goodness, for his salvation, for many of the things that he has provided for us. We also worship him just simply because he is who he is. So worship, I think, for many of us is kind of a given. If I, I don't want to just make that assumption, but I think for us it's a given. Because this is where we experience most of our church. On a Sunday morning when we are engaged in worship. 
We're coming together. We're praising God. We're worshiping God for who he is. The next one in the idea of connection, this is why we have groups. We have connect groups so that you can connect. Now, there's a couple reasons why we push connection. Connection is just not simply about being in a small group. Connection is where growth happens and where you really find community. Because growth and community are very important for your spiritual development. When you grow in your relationship with God, it is usually by surrounding yourself with men and women who will pour into you, who will call you out, who will hold you accountable, who will not let you slide, who will say, listen, you need to focus on this area of life, or why aren't you focusing on this area of life? They also will provide a sense of community. When you're hurting, when you're down, you can feel the arms and feet of Christ coming around you through a connection. Connection doesn't happen necessarily through worship. Connection happens when you break it down into a group that you can hold on to, that you can stew life with, and you can share in their lives. This is why we're pushing this in a few weeks, and you'll see more about our connect groups as you do uh, every, every uh, spring, uh, summer, and fall. And this fall, we got a great, great program for our connect groups, which we're going to talk about in just a, a few weeks. But then there's this other thing called contribute. And this is the one we cower at. We don't like to talk about it. And I think most of you were hoping we'd skip that one. Because when we talk about contribute, contribute is really where the sacrifice comes in. To be honest with you, when you talk about worship and connection, these are a little bit more on your uplifting type, feeling type things. We feel great when we worship. We leave and we think, oh my goodness, you know, Dave Nyland, he just brought me to the throne room. You know, we're all, woo, worship. When we talk about connection, we're like, oh, I feel so loved in that group. You know, I've never felt so, oh man, it's just great. But when we get to this idea of contribute, you're like, what? what? Uh, I gotta go. Isn't the service over yet? Uh, contribute is though, really, I, I, I was thinking about this. If you were really to classify the life of Jesus Christ, where do you think he spent most of his time at? Well, it's kind of on this end, on the contributing end, the sacrificial end. I mean, he even said, I didn't come to be ministered unto, but I came to minister. You see, the life of Christ is all about him coming as a servant, him coming to give. And when we talk about contributing, Yeah, there's a resource element, but there's also an element where the fully engaged follower of Jesus Christ is engaged in giving of themselves, providing for people a person whom they can serve. It's taking on that attribute that Jesus Christ took on, where we say, I have not come to be ministered unto. I have not come so that you will serve me as a member of this congregation, but I have come so that I might in turn serve. And I will, I will just, just lay it out for you. I believe as you move through this, the line goes down and to the south as you talk about people being fully engaged. Because as you move towards this way, towards the contribute, Worship's huge, connects even a little big, but then you get contribute, then you kind of find this. And friends, I would say that for many of us, the idea of engagement falls off right in here somewhere. And what happens is we fall into this deception that we think because we're coming and we're clapping as we worship, we're raising our hands, we're standing up, we're sitting down, we're doing all these things in a worship service, that somehow we are fully engaged followers of Jesus Christ. 
But that's just part of it. And I want to be careful because I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to be hard about this. But the truth is, that is not being fully engaged. It is being deceived that somehow that is going to provide the full intent of the promised land. You saw the video? And I, I didn't see the video before this morning, so this is unscripted. But that, that video clip by Laurel, and many of you know Laurel. Some of you are laughing because you know Laurel. But that just moved me. Because she told me three weeks ago when she said that, she says, I, I feel moved to do VBS. And she doesn't know I'm going to say this, so if you're out there, sorry. She wouldn't even come on VBS Sundays in the past. And yet here she is understanding what full engagement means to her because she moved beyond the worship. She moved beyond feeling it into actually sacrificing it. The sacrifice is what allows us to fully engage as a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I, w- I want to talk about this, though, in a way that doesn't come across like we need your help. We'll figure it out. This is not about saying we need so many people to help here. We need so many people to help here. We need so many people to help here. That's not what this is about. This is about a church that is longing to give you opportunity to be a fully engaged, full-on follower of Jesus Christ. The reason we talk about serving opportunities, yeah, there's logistical problems. I mean, when this third service hits in a couple weeks, I mean, it's going to be chaos weekend. We understand we have logistical needs, but beyond that, this is more about you as a follower of Jesus Christ. And the question is, are you there? Or have you kind of relegated it to just worship? As I'm speaking, we're going to have some ushers kind of pass out some cards, and all of a sudden your radar is going to go, oh my goodness, commitment cards. Don't worry about it, all right? Again, these are opportunities. While they're passing them out, I just, I want to really, I want to talk openly with you just for a minute about why Harborside, though? Why, why engage here? Why engage in a, in a place such as this church? When we were talking about this idea, we, we really wanted to come across as though we wanted to present an opportunity for you to get involved in a church that we believe is right on the cusp of God doing something incredible. And let me, let me, just, let me just be really candid. And this isn't, you would never learn this in, in how to preach class. This is just me talking to you uh, really, really personally. Kurt and I, many of you know, we went to, uh, we went to uh, uh, Spain a couple months ago, and, and we had an opportunity to spend some time with some missionaries over there, just really working with them and really encouraging them and really seeing some different opportunities when it, when it came to mission. One night, we were, we were sitting around with, I think it was about uh, eight or nine of them, just sitting around, just kind of sharing, just kind of talking about ministry, just talking about the vocation. Many of these missionaries were young. Many of them were just kind of getting into it, and they really hadn't developed their relationship with Jesus Christ uh, to the extent where it became a vocation. Uh, they were just stepping into the, the, the missionary role. So we were talking a lot about Harborside. 
And we talked a little bit about the history of Harborside, really, really what, what it's about. Let me take a side note here. When we talk about churches, when we talk about the development of churches, I look at it kind of as people coming and getting involved churches because of, of three different things. On the, on the top side, there's kind of this, this surfacey level stuff, which, which is kind of your, your, to be honest with you, the place where we get most feedback. This has to do with a lot of our likes and dislikes when it comes to a church. Um, you know, the way greeters are, the way the parking lot is, the way the seats are, uh, whether it's chaotic when you come in here. The music, is it loud, is it soft, is it not enough, the lights, those kind of things. It really has to do with a lot of our preferences. And to be honest with you, this is where we get a lot of, a lot of feedback from. And in our culture, a lot of times, church choices for people have to do with just what's up here, what they see on the surface level. If you go down a little bit, you, you get into kind of a little bit deeper where people are kind of checking out your belief system. They kind of check out, you know, what do you believe? Do you believe in God? Do we kind of line up and believe the same things? And, and of course, these things are, are very important. And, and the truth is, is that this is why we have next classes to, to just lay out our beliefs. But then there's, there's, this, there's this really deeper level, this deeper level of, of foundation that I believe has to do with, with the character of the church, the character of the church. It goes beyond how we, we, we do a lot of guest service stuff. It even goes beyond beliefs, which we can align up with. But it goes to the heart of really what has made this church this church. I've been around this, this church for, for 12 years. I attended here for two years before coming on staff a little over 10 years ago. And let me just ask, how many, how many of you predate me? Go beyond Pretty good, pretty good amount. How many of you have come probably within the last three years? Pretty good amount too. Going back to my talk in Spain, we were, we were talking about just the church and, and how Harborside has developed. And many of you know, when, when Kurt, Kurt came on staff and he was, uh, he, he became pastor, I think about nine years ago. And Harborside had just come through a, a, very, a very tough time, very difficult, difficult time. And the transition for Kurt's leadership during the time, for me personally, I think for a lot of the congregation, was a, was a very difficult transition. I think Satan really had a heyday here for a little while. Um, it, was, it was just a, a tough, tough time. It lasted about uh, between three and four years. And for those of you who are around then, uh, you, you, you know what I'm talking about. And so... When we were talking in Spain, and it was kind of the, the question came up about Kurt and I. And why in the world did we stick together through this? Because to be honest with you, he and I, we, 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 we bumped heads. I know you, you see us making jokes with each other, uh, quite jovial and things like that. But at the time, it, it just was not, was not, it was not a, a good connection. Um, I had my issues I had, I had uh, pride issues. I had some uh, belief-ish, not, not, not core beliefs, but my own perceptions of things. And for me, for those four years, and I think it mirrored our church, it was just a time where God 
was working this foundation out for this church. He was kind of developing something that could not be developed through guest services and it could not be developed through our beliefs on a website. It was something that at a core of its church, basically like an individual, brought us to our knees so that God could build us up again. And so Kurt's response to this question, and and basically the question, the, the, the wording was, why didn't you fire him, meaning me? That was the question. And Kurt's response was, because I knew if we could get through this, I'd have a friend for life. And I, 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 he probably doesn't even remember the conversation or with his memory, he probably does. But I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, you know what? This is what all of this was about. Not just me, not just about my relationship with him. But this was about the character of a church. A character about a church where God was forming. God was breaking it so that he could build it back up. And I can still remember the, the, the point where I feel like we transitioned from God working on the formation to where God started to water. And it was Christmas Eve about three or four years ago. Up to that point, we had had like four, maybe 500 during Christmas Eves. So I think we had even taken down some chairs. We had one service. And I don't know how many thousands of people showed up on that Christmas Eve. And it was like, for me personally, I don't know if anybody else was, was, was thinking this, but I thought, uh-oh, we've turned a corner. And I look at the next couple years as though God has been watering this church. God has been watering in different areas of this church. I keep in my, uh, I have in my office this, this picture. You can't see it. This was dated... March the 18th, 2006. I was doing some meditation or some communion meditation up here. And uh, I, I, for some reason, I don't remember, it must have been a good illustration, but I had a Polaroid camera up here and I took a picture of the congregation. Probably was really stupid. But anyway, I kept the, I kept the picture. And so I have a picture of you guys. And I look at this and it's just reminiscent for me of where God is taking this church. God is blessing this church, not because of me, not because of Kurt. It's because of us. It's because of a congregation that I believe looks at this kind of stuff and we don't say, well, that's good for the next church. It's about a character that says, yes, we want to be fully engaged followers of Jesus Christ. We have a pastor honestly, who cares immensely about your spiritual growth, who cares personally about you growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, who wants, you to, who wants to see you take and enjoy the fruits of the promised land that God has laid before you. You see, the character of this church is that we have worked so hard and we are now so protective of a healthy environment that will allow us to present to you opportunities for not to say, hey, we need your help because we're going down, but to say, listen, don't miss this train. Don't miss this. You have an opportunity before you that will allow you to experience God at its fullest.
I would help, I would hope that you'll look at this card. And again, we're just talking about mainly the contribute side. I would encourage you to look at this card. There's some options. And if once, if you think, well, I saw somebody doing that, but it's not on the card, it doesn't matter. Write it in there. We'll get, we'll, 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 we'll figure it out. But what I'm, what I want you to do is I want you to take this card and back in the lobby, you're going to see, you've already saw the balloons and the, and the lights and the wall and, and things. On either side of the lobby, we're going to have staff members back there, staff members who are dressed just like me. And by the way, this is our logo. I'm not Iron Man. This is our logo. <laughs> what they are longing to do is to equip you to minister. In our staff, what we talked about, our jobs as staff members are to equip the saints Equip the saints. For us to minister is to serve, but our jobs are to equip the saints. Let us do our jobs by helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ to be a fully, full-on engaged follower of him. Friends, this is an incredible church. We've been through so much, and many of you who have predate me, you know we've been through a lot. But God has brought us through this. God has put us on the cusp of something incredible. We are so excited. You want to get Kurt excited? Start talking to him about church. He won't shut up. Seriously. Every time we get together, he'll come to me between services. I can't believe what is going on. I, I do him in like a, I don't know why I do him in a southern draw. But, uh, he's like, I, I think that it's great, you know. But we realize that what we have here is by God's grace. Because he has formed us, he has created a strong foundation. And we are inviting you to come with us. Don't be left out. It's so exciting to see what God has done in VBS. It's so exciting to see what God is doing in connect groups. It's exciting to see what God is doing through living stones, through CR, through sports ministry. Through all of our ministries, through MOPS, through Moms Next, through men's ministry, women's ministry, all these ministries. Be a part of it. Come alongside us and come and experience the fullness of the promised land. As we end today, we're going to invite you to go out. We're going to kind of end on a high energy song because this isn't kind of a, 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 a just, we just want to really celebrate what God's doing around here. However, if you do have some prayer requests, if you do want to talk to our, our prayer partners, they're going to be down here in front. You can come and talk to them. But the rest of you, please take this card. Whether you're signed up, whether you're doing something now, just take it out there and just, just give it to one of the staff members in the blue shirt. Because again, the promised land is laid before us. And it is our job to fully engage and fully experience all that God has for us. Stand, would you stand with me and let me, let me pray for us as the band comes and leads us. Father, thank you so much for, for this opportunity that you've given to us to be a part of this congregation, to be a part of this church. Um, this isn't just about our church as opposed to anything else. This is just about what you've called us to do. Thank you so much for allowing us, for allowing us to live in a promised land that you've created for us in our own relationship with you. And I would ask that if, if, you know, we're kind of teetering on whether or not we are fully engaged, may you just open our hearts, open our minds, just soften them and allow us to see what you have for us. 
Help us not to be like the nation of Israel that kind of just went along their way and kind of thought, well, everything's great, everything's good. But help us to fully inquire of you and experience the fullness that you have laid out before us. Thank you for this church. And we ask this all in your son's name. Amen. Thanks. Have a great weekend.